Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave, and I'm here once again to introduce to you a performer from our last live night, which we held on the 17th of May at the Hackney Attic. Stand Up Tragedy brings together some of the best talent we know and asks them to perform something tragic. And on the 17th, once again, they really delivered, and the audience were crying, laughing, and hopefully sharing a cathartic experience. To take our tragic experience up to the Edinburgh Free Fringe Festival, we need you to help. We're going up to Edinburgh in August and we're going to be showcasing for an hour every day from the 3rd till the 14th of August, the best stand-up tragedy around. And we're going to be podcasting our tragedies for free every day of the Edinburgh Festival. If you think that sounds like a great idea, please donate. We need all the help we can get. But if you can afford it, however small it is, it's really, really appreciated. And in exchange, we give you all sorts of unique gifts in return for your donation, such as being a guest on my other podcast, Getting Better Acquainted, or having our stand-up tragedy chef come round to your house and cook you a meal. We've got pieces of art drawn live at our nights by stand-up tragedy visual artists. We've got stories written for you songs written for you merchandise bottles of whiskey and postcards sent to you from edinburgh and much much more and most of all we're going to be able to make more tragedy for you and for others to enjoy Stand Up Tragedy loves the arts and we support all genres of creativity. Our team has come together because of this shared interest, which means that some of the members of the team are performers ourselves. On today's episode, we have Stand Up Tragedy blogger, Stand Up Tragedy chef, and general wonderful member of the team, Charlie Lucy Harrison, who is also an up-and-coming comedian as well as an accomplished true storyteller. She came to the Hackney Attic to tell us a true story from her childhood. Stand up tragedy. Wow. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, can you hear me at the back? Yeah. Woo! Okay, good. Uh, so we've had stories about the Holocaust. We've had stories about paedophilia. We've had stories about dementia. My story's about a rat, so we can all relax. (laughs) Relax, just relax now. Um, I've been thinking about tragedy and how tragedy is basically, uh, it's about contrast tragedy. So in tragedy, you get massive highs and you get massive lows. And nowhere is that more true than when you're a child. So you'll know this if you've ever seen a child on the street crying, like, ah, you know, you know that that is the worst thing that's ever happened to that child in that moment. Uh, My story is about, uh, it's a tragedy that happened to me as a child and explains why I'm so fucked up. (laughs) Okay, my 11th birthday was the best birthday ever. It's the best birthday ever. My 12th birthday was the worst. Okay, so on my 11th birthday, uh, I'm 11, I, I sort of lived the kind of suburban middle-class dream. I lived in a place called Ryslip. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Ryslip, man. DFS in Ryslip. Land of leather. Yeah. Um, 
I grew up in a place called Rice. It was a great place to live when you're 11. Probably not a great place to live at any other age, but it's a great place to live when you're 11. We had the woods. I sort of lived with my mum and my dad and my brother in this lovely house. We had two cars. Um, I was sort of living the dream. And things couldn't get much better until they actually did. On my 11th birthday, my grandmother, who was a very nice lady, uh, she gave me £50 for my birthday. And she said, yeah. She said, do whatever you want with this money. Um, you know, and that's quite a lot of power as an 11-year-old, you know, that you do whatever you want. There was only one thing that I wanted as an 11-year-old girl, and that was a best friend. <sighs> thanks, guys, thanks. Um, and when I realized 50 pounds couldn't get me a human, um, I went for the next best thing, which was a pet rat. Now, has anyone in the audience ever had a pet rat? Yeah. Woo! You've had a pet rat. What was your rat called? Mouse and mole. Two, mouse and mole. Nice, good. Rat connection. Yeah. Uh, my rat was called Wilbur, and Wilbur became my best friend. Me and Wilbur were inseparable from the moment I got him. Uh, we were sort of like Bonnie and Clyde. We did everything together. He went around in my sleeve and on my shoulder. If you've ever kind of fallen in love... Imagine that kind of process. <laughs> that was what happened between me and Wilbur. We used to talk about everything. We used to talk about how I was going to become more popular at school, um, how I was going to finish up my Spice Girls photo collection album. And you just, you know, confide, yes, Spice Girl photos. Yeah, um, so we'd just talk about everything, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful life. A couple of months after this 11th birthday, uh, we're sat at family dinner, Sunday lunch, conservative family, you know. And my mum, who until this moment has only really been famed for her ability to get out stains out of, um, out of clothes, and uh, she makes a great cottage pie, she decided to announce quite calmly to the family that she was leaving the conservative family home to fulfill her dream of becoming a real-life lesbian. <laughs> Not only was she becoming a real-life lesbian, but she was having a relationship with someone from the local church who I like to call Janet from another planet. So, obviously, cue loads and loads of drama, my dad having a nervous breakdown, you know, all kind of drama, and me and Wilbur, our relationship takes another kind of deeper level. We stop talking about popularity in Spice Girls. We start talking about the spectrum of sexuality, <laughs> the institution of marriage, and what love really is. So, you know, there's all this drama happening, and me and my mum, we have to leave the family home. Um, and luckily, a local friend, her name's Val, she takes us in um, so we can live there until we find a place. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was kind of going along with all this. You've got to remember, I was quite sort of eager to please 11-year-olds. So I just thought, yeah, we're going to live with Val. But the worst thing about this was Val has a phobia of rats, right? So my best friend, my confidant, had to go elsewhere. Janet from another planet decides that she's going to kind of build a bridge here. And she says, don't worry, I'll have the rat and I'll keep it in my office. You can come over, you can play with it. And so I guess this was kind of an idea. And I said, OK, this is fine. You might have, you know, broken up my perfect dream life. But you'll look after my rat, cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess this was an idea that would build a bridge. Or so she thought. 
so I'm living with Val. I'm, I'm sharing a room with like an eight-year-old, fat eight-year-old, obnoxious child. And I'm sort of going along with it. I'm just sort of trying to be best friends to my mom and sort things out. And a few months go past, it comes to my 12th birthday. And of course, I love birthdays. My 11th birthday was the best birthday ever, as we know. I'm so excited um, because Val has turned around. She, obviously, she knows I've had a tough year. And she says, um, Charlie, I know you've had, you know, it's been difficult, uh, uh, you know, what you've been through. But for your 12th birthday, you can have a party here. And not only can you have a party, but you can bring the rat. For one day only, Wilbur, the rat, can come and join us. So I'm really, really excited about this. I'm just thinking, you know, birthdays are a time where you can kind of escape from the, from the depressing nature of life. So it's just like, oh, brilliant. You know, really, really excited about this. And I didn't have many friends at the time, but some of my mum's friends said they'd come, which was quite nice. And so, I mean, you know, and my mum's found a flat as well. So I wake up on my 12th birthday, and I think everything's going to be all right, you know. Everything's going to be all right. My mum's found a flat. We're going to go live there, and it's all good. Wilbur's coming over. I've decided to make it a joint birthday party, because, of course, I got Wilbur a year previously. So I make the invitations. Charlie and Wilbur's birthday party. Hand them out. Really, really excited. I got a fuse bar. Remember the fuse bar? I got writing icing, and I wrote Wilbur on it as a sort of tribute birthday cake. I'm so excited, so I wake up, it's five sleeps, it's four sleeps, it's three sleeps, it's two sleeps, it's one sleep, and I wake up and I'm 12 and I'm really, really excited, and we get into my mum's Volvo, we drive to Janet from Another Planet's office, and I get there, and I'm being a bit silly because it's my birthday and I'm really excited, so, you know, I'm sort of singing, and I thought, I'll sing happy birthday to the rat, and we get out into the office, I get in, happy birthday to you, I run over the cages there as normal, happy birthday to you, see the rat? Wilbur's having a little sleep, like for probably a disco nap for the party. Happy birthday, dear Wilbur. I pick up, I touch the rat and kind of try and sort of wake him up. And he's quite cold. But, you know, it's quite a cold office, so, you know, I thought that's to be expected. Happy birthday to you. And I pick up Wilbur, and his little claws are clutching the hay from the cage, and he's in a spasmodic heart attack pose. Wilbur's dead. And that's not where the tragedy ends, because of course, you know, then we had this party plan. My mum's friends were back at Val's house, waiting with presents for Wilbur to open. Then I have to sit in my mum's Volvo with a dead rat in a cage. And you know, that whole year, from 11 till 12, I hadn't cried once. And as I sat there with a dead rat in a cage on my lap, ready to go to the shittest birthday party ever, a year of tears flooded over me. And I cried and cried and cried. And the reason, the reason I've been thinking about this story, really, is because I've been looking over my old diaries recently and trying to work out why I'm so fucked up, I guess. And <laughs> uh, one of the things, I mean, when I found my diaries from a 12-year-old girl, my 12-year-old self writing, I was quite geeky, so I used to make these lists. And this is what kind of made me think about this story, and so I was going to tell you tonight. I found this list in my 12-year-old diary, and it said... Ten reasons I hate Janet from another planet. <laughs> Number one, she killed 
my rat. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've been Charlie Harrison. Thanks for coming tonight. Appreciate it. I'm sure there was something in Charlie's story for everyone to relate to. The way I find it goes is that the more specific a story, the more universal it feels. Certainly, I relate a lot to Charlie's story, and I was never a young girl who owned a rat. Although I did have a little cameo in that performance, because I did once have rats, but I wasn't a young girl at the time. Never been a young girl. We asked Charlie what it was like to share personal tragedies in front of an audience. It's cathartic. It's like feeling like all that tragedy was okay because you're stood there in a room full of people enjoying that memory of tragedy and that makes it all okay in the end. As well as being a full-time chef, Charlie regularly tells true stories at Spark London, which takes place on the first three Mondays of every month in various venues across London. Find out more about them at www.sparklondon.com. Look out for her in the future, though. She's doing comedy spots across London at the moment and working on her material. Check out her personal blog, charlielucy.wordpress.com or follow her on Twitter at charlielucyha to hear more of her observations and jokes. You're going to get some more true stories over the next few weeks as we bring to your ears some more performers from our live event at the Hackney Attic. The podcasts come out every Friday. So subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you download directly to your smartphone for free. Make sure you don't miss the tragedy. We'd love you to connect with us online and we're always sharing news about the performers we work with as well as updating you with what's new at Stand Up Tragedy. You can like us or be our friend on Facebook or you can just search Stand Up Tragedy and you'll find us like that or follow us on Twitter where we're at Stand Up for a number four tragedy. Our website is www.standuptragedy.co.uk. That's the one-stop shop for everything stand-up tragedy. You can find links to our Indiegogo campaign there. You can hear our podcast there. You can buy tickets for our next show there. Speaking of the Indiegogo campaign, if you've enjoyed this show, please donate. And if you can't, at least tell everyone you know about us and get the tragic word out. My name's Dave, and I'm your host. Please join me next week for more stand-up tragedy until next time the tragedy is over stand-up tragedy this podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins and recorded by Stephen Harvey all of our music was written and recorded by Sam Wilkinson who can be contacted at radio juan at yahoo.co.uk that's radio h-w-a-n